Hey everybody and welcome to episode 25 of West New York Brews, Buffalo's beer and brewing podcast. My name is Scott, I'm a home brewer just outside of Buffalo, New York, and on this episode I'm talking to Chris Universal of Kegworks, totally his real name, about draft lines, about kegerators, and about draft line cleaning and foaming issues. So... A couple of things going on I wanted to let you know about. I am putting together a couple of videos for westnewyorkbrews.com about the Fast Ferment, the Fast Ferment conical uh, fermentation system. I picked it up at Kegworks with a couple of the accessories, too, with the thermometer, with the insulation jacket, and the stand. And I'm putting together some videos about what the Fast Ferment is all about and seeing if I like it, the pros and the cons and all that. So look out for that on West New York Brews. And announcement, totally shameless promotion for the Rearview Ramblers. Their CD release party is on August 17th at Larkin Square, and they'll be there with Uncle Ben's Remedy. They're putting out their first album, their first EP called Buffalo Americana. It's full music it's americana you hear the rearview ramblers at the end of every west new york brews episode except for episode 24 where i totally forgot and i'm sorry but you hear them at the end of every episode with you can't buy beer with condolences and there's going to be a new version of that song on the ep so go on out to larkin square august 17th i'll be there um Love the Rearview Ramblers and Uncle Ben's Remedy. So hopefully we'll see you there. This is Chris Universal of Kegworks. We're talking about draft systems. Uh, my name is Christopher Universal, and I'm an account executive at Kegworks. So I work on commercial draft beer systems. So you do the commercial stuff? Yeah. I uh, I started in the store uh, selling like small kegerators and conversion kits and uh, homebrewing uh, tips and things like that. And then I moved on to uh, commercial draft systems. So. Keeping your keg lines clean, how often do you need to clean them on a homebrew level? Uh, on a homebrew level, I would clean them after every keg. Every um, keg? Every keg, uh, especially, if you're, especially if you're switching styles. Okay. If, you, if, you're, if you brew the same beer and you have another one to put on right after that, you can probably get away with every two to three. Mm-hmm. But if you're switching from an IPA to a stout or any any style switch, really, you definitely want to clean those lines. You really don't want, you know, residual beer sitting in them for an extended period of time. And you definitely don't want different styles to intermingle and pick up different tastes. I call those the blend beers. Those yeah. <laughs> the yeah. first couple from the new keg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're cleaning every single time. When when are you replacing lines? I would replace lines. I would inspect them, see if there's anything visual if you're picking up some off tastes, let's say you put something through like a sour or something like that that's very acidic yeah. that could possibly dive into the polyvinyl lines, you know, that could stain your lines. If there's anything that you're picking up in the taste or if you see it visually, that's when I would change it. Um, as far as a time frame, yeah, it really depends on how often you clean, you know, so... So on a commercial hard- level, do you suggest that commercial uh, operators would have... A specific line for sours, or it's yes, or, absolutely okay. Absolutely, uh, sour beers. I even get into kombucha, uh, draft coffee, uh, oh, wow. liquor on tap. I've done all sorts of things like that. And um, if you're going to do something like that, it is highly recommended that you speak with someone before you do because it's not. You you can get it to come out, but uh-huh. you're going to damage <laughs> you're going to damage your system and you're going to affect the product as well. So if you go to if you go to Kegworks for example and you buy a new kegerator it's going to come with the the right amount of line in there. Correct. Right? Correct. 
Yep. And it's it's going to do the keg raters that you sell, do they come with the CO2 tank and a regulator? They do. They do. Right. We sell everything. Um, all the keg raters that we have in the store, they come with everything you need. It's basically a plug-and-play operation. Uh, there's a small build aspect, but we have associates that can build it for you if you don't feel comfortable putting it together. So then the first thing that you tell somebody to do when they bring their keg raider home after they get it set up, they're going to go out to consumers or, or one of the local breweries and pick up a keg. What do you tell them to do with the first keg? First keg, I would give yourself a good 12 to 18 hours before you pour it. Obviously, most people, they get the keg and they want to drink it right away. In an ideal situation, you'd want to bring it home, put it in the keg raider, let it chill down at least overnight. Just because when you transport it, you shake it around quite a bit, you might get foamy, you're mm-hmm. definitely going to warm up a little bit. So those first few pours could uh, you know, definitely be uh, foamy, and that tends to not make people very happy especially the price of you know craft beer and stuff like that is very expensive i use a milkshake what's the word milkshake procedure is what i call it so my my tower is not cooled so it's out in the in the uh in the air especially in the summer Mm. so i'll get a little bit of foam off my first my first pour of the evening so i'll take Mm. a little small glass and that'll be my foam cup and then i'll put that to the side Fill up a normal one, and then about halfway through, when that one settled down, I pour it back into it. I call it the the milkshake procedure. Yeah, there's a couple uh, couple ways. If there's a few different styles of keg raters as well, it's, this should be noted. Um, there's what's called radiant cooled, mm-hmm. um, which basically there's a coil in the back that cools down, and that cold just radiates out from the coil. Um, and then there's air cooled, which are a bit more expensive. But what it does, it has a compressor and it has a fan that evenly blows the, the cold air around the keg box. And it typically has a tube that will blow up into the tower as well to try and keep those lines as cold as possible. There is a significant cost difference, yeah. but there's also a significant performance difference as well. All right. And I don't have either of those. I, <laughs> I have the, <laughs> the base metal kegerator inside the house and then my custom kegworks build outside. So sure. what, what do you tell people... For pressure, for serving pressure, say five feet um, of line. Uh, five feet of line. It there's really there's charts if you want to get absolutely proper on it. Of course you do. Um, I'll put them up on the yeah, website. Absolutely. Um, you know you'd want to. You can either call the brewery, mm-hmm. um, and get a suggested um, PSI. Uh, the PSI is based on uh, temperature. So when a keg warms up. Um, say it's at 40 degrees, which suggested temperature is 38. That's a little warmer than you want to be, so the gas will start to start to expand out from the keg. And sometimes if you look on your coupler inside, if it's too warm, you'll see little tiny bubbles moving up into your, airline, or oh, into yeah. your beer line. rather, And uh, that means that you don't have enough pressure on there because you need an equilibrium. So the pressure going into the keg holds the CO2 in the solution. Okay. If there's not enough... It starts to come out of solution, and it's got to go somewhere, and that is up in your beer line. So if you see little tiny bubbles coming up out, out of the, the keg, um, you're either too warm or your or your PSI is too low or both. Wow, okay. That's huge right there. I, I just yeah. assumed that was just part of it all the time and forever. I would say the most usual suspects for foamy beer uh, is number one, temperature. Mm-hmm. Number two, PSI. 
And number three, user error as far as pouring. <laughs> <laughs> of course, with kegerators at home, like you said, you have your little foam cup and things like that. Yep. Because um, I have a kegerator at home as well, and it's just a, a, a radiant cool. There's nothing super fancy or anything yeah. like that. So the first pour is a little foamy. So what I do is um, I have my glass, and I open the keg and then quickly close it. So pour, you know, just keep it open for maybe one second, one to two seconds. And then set the glass down, just wait maybe five seconds, ten seconds. And mm-hmm. what that'll do is it'll bring up some cold beer into that line, cool the line down, and then the rest of the beer coming through there will pour properly. Because the first pour, that, that line is warm. So if you just open it and let it go, you got foam in the glass, and when more beer hits that, more foam occurs. Also, you have beer running through a warm line that hasn't cooled down yet. So that's why, you know, that you could pour a full glass of foam and then be like, oh, okay, well, that's the first one I got to throw away. Yeah. But oh, we don't throw away beer wanna, at this house. Right. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be a little more efficient, uh, um, I call it priming the tap. Just open and close for just maybe one, one and a half seconds. What kind of a tap do you have at your house? I have uh, just a base model uh, Danby kegerator. actually got a pretty good deal on it, and it served me well. <laughs> I've had it for about two and a half years. I put a, a, du- a dual tap on it so I can have one homebrew keg and then one six dill on tap. So. That's so great. That's what we did, too. As far as kegerators go, I, I always stress this point. You sort of get what you pay for. There's sure. some kegerators out there that, if it seems too good to be true, read the re- user reviews or call us at Kegworks and, you know, we'll let you know. Everyone around here is pretty honest. You know, if it's a decent kegerator and you found a good deal on it, they'll be like, yeah, you know, you should you should, you should, should buy that. Yeah. But um, there's a few brands out there. Like, um, I ran into it a ton, Dalja and Igloo. Sure. Um, they use... They don't use standard parts. No, so they the don't. Beer lines, <laughs> the beer lines are super tiny. Like they're, it, I don't even know what they plan on putting uh. through this. But yeah, it, people buy it for a gift or something, and then it turns into a big headache, and people don't like draft beer anymore. So I, I have, I have a nostalgia. I've got a KRS twenty one hundred nostalgia okay. kegerator. I bought it on Amazon because it was the cheapest one I could find. This is probably five years ago. Um, but since then, again, I've, I've reworked the entire keg. I mean, except right. for the cooling portion of it, it's, it's all brand new lines. It's a different tank than when yep. in there originally it's, it's multiple taps now, different taps. Uh, it's converted yep. to a homebrew keg rater, and now I love it. Oh yeah. I mean the, the refrigeration part itself works, but yeah, right? all the other parts, <laughs> um, you kind of got to swap out and. I've seen a lot of people be very disappointed with that, um, you know, it, and it ends up costing you around the same as just pulling up the cash. And you, you don't have to buy the most expensive one, but a base model. Um, like I said, I have a Danby at home. I don't have the yeah. most expensive. <clears throat> and little by little, you can upgrade things here and there and if, if you so choose. But, um, yeah, there's definitely some buyer beware that I would, you know, would suggest. Because uh, I've seen so many people be very upset. Now, if somebody wanted to get one installed, could they talk to Kegworks for that? We do not do installation. What we can do and what we have done in a lot of cases, if it's a kegerator we sell like in the store, uh-huh. one of the associates can put it together. And, you know, we've done hundreds of these things. Yeah. Um, they'll put it together properly and then, uh, you know, help you load it in your car or truck. And you basically go home and plug it in and then put your coupler on the keg and 
and go from there. I, I meant if somebody wants to build something into their kitchen, which oh, I'm trying okay. to talk my wife into. I see, I see. Um, <laughs> we don't come out and do actual installations as far as that goes. Yeah. Um, we do have step-by-step instructions. We also have videos on Kegworks as far as if they wanted to do a conversion. It's a step-by-step process, and if that wasn't satisfactory for someone getting through or if they had a special sort of you know, situation, you can always call us and we'll walk you through it. Excellent. One point I would like to make with that as far as people doing custom builds in their house, yeah. if they were going to take like a kegerator and put it under their countertop, yes. you need a special kind for that. There's under, under counter refrigeration units. If you buy any normal refrigerator or kegerator and put it under there and there's nowhere for it to vent the, the hot exhaust, you'll end up cooking the kegerator and you know it'll, be, it'll burn out. Makes sense. Hey, Chris, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Sure, yeah. If you have any other questions or need anything else from me, I'd be more than happy to talk with you. We do everything from the smallest kegerator conversion, which is the first thing we ever sold, you know, all the way up to full-on brewery draft systems. So. No, that's great. Thank, right. you. thank you. Anytime. Thanks a lot, Scott. So once again, thank you to Christopher Universal for talking to us about draft line systems and kegerators. Uh, some good information there that I had no idea about on foaming. And I have the cheapest kegerator that you can find. Found it on Amazon. The Nostalgia, the one that he was talking about that, that you normally shouldn't get. But of course, you heard me talk about it. I replaced everything in it, uh, including replacing or changing the tower out completely. Um, so I will put links to all of that in the show notes to the kegerator that I use, to the kegerators at Kegworks, and I'll start putting up the videos of the Fast Ferment. I'll even put a link to the Rearview Ramblers Facebook page to show you their event coming up at Larkin Square for their CD release party on August 17th. And as promised, here is the Rearview Ramblers leading us out, as always, with You Can't Buy Beer With Condolences. We'll see you next week. Because you can't.